Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I virtually invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting about how to make your mess in how to make your mess your message. Um, Sherry, I love this book. So before we get into your book, tell us who you are, and then we'll talk about the concept of the book. Sure. I am. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Sherry, Sherry Lead. I live over in Washington State. I basically grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I, I went to school to become an attorney and I practiced law for about 14 years. Uh, and then I had kids. I had two kids uh, actually in the same year. My husband mm-hmm. and I adopted our daughter oh. from China. It took us about two years, came home. Two weeks later, we found out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that changed things really quick, and I, I became a stay-at-home mom. Um, a couple years after that, I decided to stay home, and when my kids now both in college, uh, as we got towards those later years of uh, them needing me every day or not needing me every day, I started to think, uh, what do I really want to do? And that's when I embarked on the career I have now. I'm a life coach. I coach women who are in their middle age years of life, those fabulous, fun, exciting years. And um, and I'm an author, but this, this is my second book. I love that. Now, when you adopted your daughter from China, how old was she? Because it seemed like it was like, was she a newborn as well or was she a little bit older? She was a little bit older, older. It was an estimated birth date. So uh, they estimated her at 14 months of age, but she was only 14 pounds. So yeah, and she didn't have muscle tone. Um, and so we're not sure if she was a lot younger, if she was premature, she was different, definitely uh, malnourished. So it turned out to be a real blessing to, although it was a shock, it turned out to be a real blessing to have the baby the same year because we were able to uh, catch some of her developmental delays because mm-hmm. we saw the baby as he was progressing kind of as you would expect. So mm-hmm. it actually turned out to be a blessing. I love that. And I'm going to add in this because in the forward when your friend wrote the forward it said that you were an abandoned infant in south korea and you were adopted so did that make it a point of you wanting to adopt a child was that one of your because you were adopted yourself it it was my husband's idea actually but then once he brought the idea up to me and uh we we were both you know, we met in law school. We were both working. Uh, we we always wanted children, but we never we never really we didn't do fertility or anything like that. Uh, but once he put that idea of adoption in my head, um, we 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 decided, okay, what do we have to lose? This would be great, and we used the same agency that I was adopted from, Holt International in Oregon, which I believe is the first uh, international adoption agency in the U.S. Wow, that your life changed totally in that one year. <laughs> like you adopted and then you got pregnant. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness, it was a shock. I, you know, I had to do. Uh, we both went. Well, he went back to work when we got back from adopting, and seven home pregnancies later, when I was calling him on the phone saying they're all positive, he said, 
they're only 99.7% accurate or whatever the number was that he saw on the commercial because he he was in shock. He did not want to believe that we were going to have another baby that year. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> now let's talk about your the concept behind make your mess your message. I absolutely love the concept and I love the fact that the way you laid out the book is that you wanted it to people to read like one chapter a week with girlfriends meet and then read the next chapter. So it's not like a book that you can read that you would want them to read in one sitting. I wrote it sort of as a book that you could journal through if you'd like. So each chapter is one woman's story of what her mess was that became her message. And then there's a place to journal after that. Um, and these are all actually, I, I, so I interviewed during our stay-at-home orders. Our, in Washington State, we went to stay-at-home probably um, the same time as many states around the country did, which was late March of 2020. It's just 2020. It seems like a lifetime ago. Mm -hmm. But during that time, I decided to uh, interview women. So these are women that actually are in my life, either uh, long-term friends or some more recent acquaintances uh, and ask them that question, what is your mess that became your message? And I was surprised by the things I learned, even with the long-term friends. Was there ever a point where one woman said, I don't have a message? No, but you know what was surprising to me and the women I interviewed, a lot of times when they had their messes, they got through them and it was kind of on survival. And a lot of the women were moms. So, you know, whatever mess they were going through, even if it hadn't it wasn't um, didn't have to do with their kids. They were still being moms and and wives and and working, and so they got through their mess, and they never took the time to really reflect on where that mess got them or how it affected them. So I gave them the question ahead of time, so they had time to think about it. And a lot of them said, "Wow, this was really healing to actually think that." that mess that I thought was such a negative point in my life actually got me to someplace greater than I could imagine. And it really did change uh, my life in some respects. So that was interesting to me that we we don't take the time to look at our messes a lot of times mm -hmm. to see where it actually got us. That is so true. Now, was there ever one of your friends or the acquaintances that you interviewed, was it ever, the, no, I don't want to be a part of the book? There were a couple, so I gave them the question ahead of time, and there were a couple that said, well, that's not really comfortable because my mess that really sticks out in my head involves someone else. Mm. And so, yeah, I completely, we don't, we, we don't want to throw all our messes out there. Yeah. And I, I completely understand that. Um, but it surprised me how many people did say yes. And actually of 50, 51 people I interviewed, um, I asked 53 Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. Normally you don't have that great of normally people forget. But I think the fact that you set up, like you said, a Zoom dates for those that mm -hmm. were on Zoom, that you set up Zoom dates with them. And let's talk about that type. What actually was going happen during those Zoom dates? So because they knew the question, you know, we'd get on and 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 talk a little bit. And I'd say, so tell me, what is your mess? And it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon that um, the date sometimes became a little emotional to talk about. Mm. Some of these uh, involved a lot of loss and heartbreak. What was interesting for me, because, you know, I was doing this during our, our um, stay-at-home orders and our time of social distancing, 
this gave me connection and it not just gave me that connection that I needed from losing that, that piece, but it gave me a deeper connection to just realize simply that no matter who we are, where we live, our education background, our economic status, our political background, our race, even our age, mm-hmm. any of that, we all had very similar messes and we were all on this journey together. So it gave me this deep connection to people that I wasn't expecting. I also love at the beginning of each chapter, you kind of put a fun fact about each woman that you've interviewed. So you have to get to know them a little bit more like, like you probably had like a lot of icebreaker questions in the beginning, correct? Yes. And like I said, even the long-term friends, I didn't know some of the messes they had gone through because we don't sit down and talk to each other, you know, about these, unless we're right in the trenches with them. Um, And and the icebreaker questions, a lot of times those were things that they experienced even before before I had met them. And so a lot of those made me laugh. Um, and every single conversation deepened that friendship in some, at some level. I love that. Now, I want to talk about the point of the book when you decided you want to do a photo shoot with all these women. Because mm-hmm. that had to be hard with the Zoom over Zoom. <laughs> It was, it, it, that was a mess. <laughs> I have a, a large TV, thanks to my husband that wanted a large TV in our house. So uh, a photographer came over, she's a friend of mine, professional photographer, she never shot through Zoom, let alone a TV screen. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, each woman in a different place with their own lighting, with their own screens, with their own, um, you know, some on a, on a phone and not actually a computer or a professional camera. Uh, so that was a little crazy, but it just went right hand in hand with the book because we could not get together in person. I love that you accepted that it went right hand in hand with the book because most people, when they want the finished product, they want it to look polished and they want it to look like nice and neat and everything uniform. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're willing to accept the mess that was the photo shoot and turn that, cause that became a message in the book itself. It did. And the challenge for many women was we had to say no filters. You can't use any filters because it's already hard to shoot through all these screens. And we are so used to filtering ourselves Mm. to that. Even just that was a challenge to realize, okay, this is raw and here I am. I love that. Now, do you have your book with you? I do. I do right here. We're going to go to a brief commercial, but when we come back, I would love for you to read a part of your book. Are you good with that? Okay. I am good. I'll have my glasses. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Homeschooling just got easier and deliciously fun. My new book, Dishing Up Devotions, 36 Faith-Building Activities for Homeschooling Families is a delightful devotional the whole family will love. With encouragement for mom, fun family activities, conversation starters, and simple baking recipes. It's sure to feed your family's faith while building lasting memories in just minutes a week.
And we are back chatting with Sherry. She wrote, make your mess your message book. I have an advanced reader copy. That's why the yellows, uh, I mean, the orange, I mean, the gray is going across, but she's going to read a part of her book. So Sherry. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm reading the going forward, which is my thoughts after all these dates, all these 51 dates it says these conversations with my friends changed and continue to change my life. Taking the mess to message challenge via virtual dates during COVID-19, during the COVID-19 pandemic, stay-at-home orders helped pull me through the isolation that I felt as the days turned into weeks, the weeks turned into months, and the months ultimately added up to over one year of, so of social distancing. I learned that we all have messes, even amongst close friends. There are daily messes that we experience that we don't share with one another. For example, it surprised me to learn how many of my friends struggle daily with anxiety and depression. Learning this gave me even a greater gratitude for the effort it takes for them to show up as they do. It also made me realize I need to listen more carefully to my friends, ask questions, and simply check in to be that present friend. Following these dates, in my work as a life coach, I now regularly, regularly encourage my clients to explore the possible messages that are their messes. And now it's your turn. What is the mess that became your message? I love that. Now you said earlier, you were a former prosecutor, former civil litigator. So you obviously saw a lot of messes there. What made mm -hmm. you decide to go down the road of writing a book and and putting in how did you get the concept of writing this book a resume dates so with this book i was taking a master class you know at home trying to find things to mm -hmm. to uh, do and i took robin roberts uh, master class on communication and in it she shared that her mom taught her to make her messes her messages and through that, it made me wonder not only about my you know, own messes and, and because my messes are what led me to become a life coach, mm -hmm. but it started to make me wonder what messes and what were the messages that my girlfriends had. And, and that's what prompted this. Were you, how did you go about selecting? You said they were girlfriends, long friend, long close friends, and mm -hmm. then some acquaintances. How did you go about the process of picking each woman for the book? It was actually kind of a quick gut feeling process. And there were some women. Um, so I did, I also met with women for my first book. So m most of the women for the second book are women that I wasn't able to meet uh, for the first book. Sometimes it was because of distance. And so this gave me the opportunity to meet with some of those friends that no longer lived in my area. So that was that was one piece of it. The second is um, being curious who, you know, there, there are people that just, stood out to me that I wanted to get to know them more. I wanted to know more about their lives. And I made a quick list and, and went from there. Did you have trouble? I mean, you said you made a quick list. Did you have trouble finding out, deciding who to put in it? Or did you just automatically knew when you're writing your list who you wanted involved? I just kind of, I just did a quick draft of um, whoever who came to mind. And actually, to tell you the truth, I also looked at down Facebook and just went really quick through my friend list and just started writing as as faces popped up. Um, and, and some of them, like I said, were more recent acquaintances, and they were people that I found very interesting and that I wanted to know a little bit better. 
Was there one woman story? Of course, all the stories are important, but was there one woman story that really stood out to you when you were listening to her story and you were learning her message? There is a one person story that changed my daily life. And that is my former paralegal when I was practicing law 20, over 20 years ago. And I knew her when she had her family was young. Her boy and her girl were very young and a beautiful, beautiful family, athletic, athletic kids, good in school. Kids went off to college. And that's kind of what I knew about the family. And we were able to reconnect on social media. And when I spoke to her, she shared a story about her son who um, fell into addiction after he had been addicted to Oxycontin, he fell into um, more stronger street drugs and ended up on the street. Uh, this was a 10-year battle for the family to get him, um, help him off the street. And so we talked about uh, his addiction. And it really, you know, it really put a face to, I apologize for my dogs. Uh, it really put a face to the homeless population um, in Seattle, uh, like many, like many, big cities around the country we have a we have a large homeless population problem and i had become blind to it and you know i'd end up at stoplights and i would try not to make eye contact and um after talking to my former paralegal i started carrying backpacks in my car filled with supplies and um, now when I when I drive around and I see a homeless person at a stoplight, I roll down my window and I give them a backpack and I have these short little conversations at the stoplights. And a lot of times this is the best part of my day when I'm able to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and and I had uh, one man who made eye contact with me and he started to tell me his dreams that he wanted a car like the car I was driving. And he he was dead set on all these future plans and it made me realize that just because you're on this on the street doesn't mean that you don't see something better for yourself wow that's just, that's really impactful and when you think about it you don't you're right homeless they tend to not have faces we tend to society tends to discard them so the fact that you her mess and message affected you so much that now you're trying to show value to somebody else it shows, also gave value to her story Yes, and now I can I see people as you know someone's daughter, someone's son, someone's mother, someone's father, sister, or brother. Um, so she impacted my daily life. I apologize for my dogs. I think a delivery person happened to just come by right now. I'm so sorry. That's that's okay. Like I said, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's all authentic. It's, it's what's going to happen in real life. So that's the oh reason why I want people to know that stuff like this happens in real life. Everything doesn't have to be perfectly yes. curated. Look, can't even say the word. I get tongue tied too. They won't. They won't bark all day now. But just that one delivery person at this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. Now, um, I want to talk about the quotes that you've interwoven throughout the book. I love those. How did you go about picking the quotes for these this book? Well, I want to make sure that they were anonymous quotes because uh, because of permissions. I, I didn't want to use somebody's quote without asking for permission, and there are a lot in here. So I, you know, I just started to search for quotes about life being messy and and um, kind of funny quotes too, and and things that would kind of stick in our heads. Uh, you know, like my hair is messy, my life's messy things. You know, all that those good fun quotes uh because we need to add levity uh, to our messes 
So how is important, you just talked about adding levity, how important it is to add levity to our messages because a lot of times people are so down in their in their trenches, they really can't see beyond where they're at right in the moment. Yeah, I think it helps, you know, when a mess happens to be able to disconnect for a second, that doesn't mean you don't care about your mess, but to be able to disconnect, because like you say, when we're down in the trenches, it's hard to see choice and option. Um, when we're able to disconnect sometimes, and a good challenge for you to disconnect and try to think of something funny. I mean, it may be sarcastic what you think of that's funny mm. about the situation, but that little moment of levity may be just the clarity you need to be able to see that mess and see that it's actually an obstacle that's leading you in a different direction. Because most of life's messes, when I thought my own life messes, you know, the time I didn't get the, you know, apartment or the home that I wanted, mm -hmm. um, the time I didn't get that job maybe that I wanted, or the relationship that I had fell apart. All those messes I thought were devastating led me to the better, better home, better neighborhood, um, the better job, a much more fulfilling relationship. So uh, when we're able to see where the messes actually lead us, it's really, really helpful or the possible places they could lead us. And honestly, I think that's part of your personality, too. I think just by talking to you right now that you can tell the levity that you have, that you actually have to. You, I understand you also did a stand up comedy routine once. <laughs> I did. It was it was something. I'll be honest. I signed up when I was drinking champagne. <laughs> And, and so I'm sitting at home drinking champagne with my husband. And I, you know, I always want to do a, a, a stand-up comedy routine, but who, who actually does that? And so I signed up and I also want to become more comfortable public speaking. So that was also the reason for it. Woke up the next morning. Sure enough, I had signed up and I thought, well, there it was. So I went through with it. Uh, it was such an amazing experience. <laughs> it was in front of about 250 people wow. uh, down by the, our iconic Pike Place Market Theater down there. Um, it was fabulous, but uh, that was a one and done. <laughs> Why was it a one and done since it was such a fabulous experience for you? Because I think that, so this was all amateur com comedians that went up there. I guess we could call ourselves comedians. We took two classes and then we were on stage. Uh, we wrote our own, our own, uh, our own material and everyone who was there knew that this was our first shot. So they were so generous to us with their applause and their <laughs> laughter. I feel like the bar is going to be so much higher if I try it again. And that was hard. I gotta tell you, writing your own material, it's so much different than, you know, talking to somebody and thinking you're funny versus standing up and doing a monologue and, and trying to make people laugh. So that was hard. That's hard work. <laughs> I love that. Now you mentioned that you you interviewed close friends and acquaintances. How important is it to have girlfriends in your life that are like right there with you in the trenches with you? You know, if you call, they're going to be right there with you. I I think it's, it's why well, I lied about my dog. So they go again. Um, I think it, it's incredibly important. And I am so blessed now at this age, I'm, I'm turning 52 next month to have such a diverse, large group of women in my life that I can count on um, no matter what. And I think a lot of times for women that, especially as we get older, mm -hmm. 
to have those female friendships, especially if you can find female friendships of all ages, um, it's very helpful to see what someone else has gone through. That's the person I could contact or to feel like I'm a mentor to a younger Mm -hmm. friend. You know, that's very fulfilling as well. Is that kind of what led you into life coaching? What led me into life coaching was actually uh, I had a I had breast cancer when I was 47. Oh, wow. And um, that experience and going through it and people telling me that they were um, surprised by the perspective I carried as I went through it made me realize that there's something here for me to be able to teach other people or to help guide them so that these kinds of life experiences uh, though difficult, sh- are not as devastating as they often are. So that led me into looking at life coaching. Um, so that was the catalyst. So that was pa- basically your mess and your message was the breast cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis and going on the other side to help other people. Yes, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I had uh, I, I, I had a couple of I, both hips replaced. I had uh, in my 30s. And so um, there have been a lot of messes in my life. And I'm hoping the next ones aren't physical. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but, yes, there are a lot of messes that have led me to where I'm at and, and um, have helped me actually become a better person, I believe. And that brings it to the next. You just said, hope that your next messes aren't physical, but that's what people don't seem to realize is that mess, messes can be mental, physical, mm-hmm. you know, emotional, spiritual, all that. So let's talk about the different types of messes that you hit on in your book. Yeah. So there are messes from identity, um, identity issues that start at young ages. It, that's several people uh, to divorces to uh, loss of job, to, to uh, illness such as cancer. Um, I apologize for my dogs. There, but but there, there are everything to children, you know, to being a mother, to, to having children with, with significant disease and illness. Um, there, every type of mess, I think, you know, as you mentioned, even, yes, and even spiritual messes too um, were covered by the women in the book. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that you, they were open enough to talk to you about this and consent to being in the book. Cause a lot of people they'll talk about their messes, but they won't consent to being in somewhere where people are going to be able to read and their pictures up there. So, you know, their friends see it and get the book and they're like, Oh my goodness, this is my friend. I know her. I didn't realize this happened to her. A lot of people mm-hmm. are very, cause it's such a shame filled society. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, doing this also helps, it really helps take away that judgment piece because once you see that other people have these messes too, and we're talking about them, it takes the stigma away from a lot of these, a lot of these things like divorce or um, addiction uh, or, you know, identity, identity issues or loss of job, you know, things that we think are maybe failures. Um, It takes the stigma out of it. And, uh, it helps us. It helps all of us, I think, when we when we hear these stories. What is the one? I know we talked about the one message that affected you the most, but what's since you were a stand up comedian? What was one of the one message that you kind of found? I don't want to say humorous because a lot of messages aren't humor, but it's the one that you got like 
the feel good, like the, like you're laughing and you can go back and read it and know that this is going to make you make your day. Okay. Well, here's a good one. <laughs> my, uh, one of my girlfriends, I always thought her mess was that she's not a planner. She does things spontaneously, including like international trips. She, she, she just goes. So one of her non-planning things was going to, um, I think it was, was Kauai. Uh, and I get, I've never been there, but it's, it's, it, I guess it's a very, you know, it's a small island. It's not populated like Oahu. And so she went there thinking on a family trip with her two young kids and husband, and they got there and there are no cars to rent. And it's not, it, at that time it was before Uber and it, not very walkable, not a lot of taxis. So their family ended up in a large, large U-Haul truck their entire stay and you know they had the kids on the floor they're holding them so they didn't slide around in the, in the cab area um everywhere they went it was hard to park the people thought that people actually were really kind to them because they thought they were locals just moving because no one drives a u-haul around there but it turned out to be one of their best family vacations the most memorable for the kids and she realized that a lot of times what she thought was her mess because she always thought it was a negative that she didn't plan and mm -hmm. she was flying by the seat of her pants sometimes, that that actually turns out to be a positive in the sense that it's given her the most fun in her life, the most, the greatest memories. And also the people around her have been able to experience things that they would have never experienced before because of her spontaneity. So, um, she had a number of stories that were similar to that of how the spontaneity worked. And it was good, good for me because I'm such a planner to hear, mm -hmm. uh, Oh, there's another way of doing things. And you said the number of stories that had her around not being a planner about her spontaneity. Why did you choose the U-Haul one? That one, because I think I could picture it when you asked me that question. I, I also pictured that family uh, in my head driving around with a large U-Haul. And for many of us, doing something like that might have ruined our vacation, you mm -hmm. know, daily and not being able to comfortably go to different places, uh, having to figure out where to park away from the hotel and, and all of that. So um, I just picture like this, this movie with, you know, so, uh, Owen Wilson or something like that, yeah, <laughs> you know, that. and Jennifer Aniston and this family vacation. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that stuck out, stood out when you asked that question. So that brings me to the next point. You just mentioned that she had several stories. Were there a lot of other women that had several stories about their mess, but you just kind of had to pick the, the one that you thought would apply the most to the book? Uh, so I asked them which story they'd want to focus on. And so we could talk further into detail because, of course, was your mess that became your message? Most everyone said, wow, that was hard to choose. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So in the thing, it says you're currently working on your next book or your next project. What is your next project centered around? Well, so the second book, this Make Your Mess, Your Message, I didn't, I wasn't planning on writing it after um, the first the first book where I met with women in person to tell them, the first one I met with women in person to tell them what lesson I've learned from each of them with the idea everyone we meet is both our teacher and our student. I wasn't planning on a second book. Then um, the pandemic happened and I thought, well, I really want to write these stories. Then my publisher said, you have a series. And I thought, well, 
no one has a series with two books. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh -huh. So this third book that I'm working on right now, this will round up the series. And in this one, I'm meeting both in Zoom and in person. And I'm asking a variety, every woman a, a different question. Uh, and these are life questions from, you know, who taught you how to how to ride a bike to to uh, what was your most challenging relationship or when are you most happy in a relationship um, to in a natural disaster? What three things would you take? I mean, just a variety of questions. Um, and uh, that's going to wrap up the, the, the series. <laughs> Do you think you'll write any more after you wrap up the series? I might. We'll 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 see. Uh, I'd love to try a hand at at um, fiction at some point. Uh, so we'll see what happens next. But it will be hard for me to stop because once I've started talking to uh, women and and my friends, one it, it feels like therapy <laughs> having these mm -hmm. conversations with them because I learned so much. Uh, two, once you start diving in and talking to people in this way this intentional way, it really is hard to stop because this, the connection feels so good and it, it really has been life changing for me. I love that. Now, um, I had a question and it just went out of my head. I cannot believe it just happened, but you also talked about your, um, your kids being gone too, and like you're mm -hmm. an empty nester now. So let's talk about what empty nesting is like for you. Sure. Yeah. This is our first year as an empty nester. My daughter's in Florida, so across the country in Boca Raton, and my son's in Los Angeles. Uh, and because of COVID, he remote was doing remote learning last year because LA was shut down. And um, so he's a sophomore, but just left this year. And, uh, it, you know, it's very different. And it, it was okay for me dropping them off because I felt really, I felt good about it and where they were and I was happy for them. But they decided not to come home for Thanksgiving. Oh man! And that one actually got me. So I was fine until they decided that they wanted to spend time with their um, my husband. Or not my husband. My son's going to go visit his girlfriend who's in school in Philadelphia over Thanksgiving break. Mm -hmm. My daughter doesn't get that much time off, so she's going to Thanksgiving with her good friends over in Florida. Um, but that one, that one got me more than them actually going to school and them not coming home for the holiday. I think, I think the holidays are the hardest too, because, um, I, you said you're in Washington, I'm in North Carolina, but my daughter, my oldest daughter and her husband are both getting their PhDs in California. So mm -hmm. we don't get to see them that often. So I feel you with the mama, with you being your, your <laughs> daughter clear across country, you know, I feel mm -hmm. that for you. So how did you handle that when she said, Hey mom, I want to go to Florida to live. Yeah, well, she was there last year because Florida was more, you know, their their regulations allowed them to um, be more open for school. And so she was actually there for the first time last year. And we visited a little bit more because that was a, a hard transition for her. And they, although they were open, they were very isolated in because of their protocols. Um, but this year she's, she's really enjoying it. And thankfully we have a direct flight over there. Um, <laughs> So it, it's, it's been okay. I, you know, I always tell people because I have clients who, who really struggle with that empty nest syndrome, you know, it's a real, it's a real thing. Your identity changes, um, people get depressed and, and they worry, especially now with, with 
the pandemic, a lot of parents didn't have that natural transition where the last year and a half, their kids became more independent. Yeah. Um, and then for them to all of a sudden leave, it's, it's really tough. So I tell people sometimes, you know, and I, I think about this myself, is write that alternate story, like write the story if they didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> what that would look like, you know, and and then you say, you know, there's someone still at your house, still asking you what's for dinner and and the laundry everywhere, um, and not progressing that way. So so when I when I get a little angst, I have to think of okay, what were the choices there? What what if that didn't happen? What would that look like? And um, it makes it gives me then a piece of gratitude for their independence. I love that. Now, I know the question that I was going to ask you a little while ago, it just popped back into my head. It's like, why is it okay for us to end friendship relationships? Because you talked about how important mm -hmm. it was for the community to be in a community of girlfriends or friends that understand or will support you. But there's also that point where you say, okay, this friendship is toxic or this friendship mm -hmm. needs to you know, go bye-bye or not be as close as it once was. How important is that? It's really important and it happens all the time. Friendships are no different than romantic relationships in that sense that sometimes and oftentimes they aren't meant to stay, you know, your entire life. Just because you've become friends at some point doesn't mean that that relationship is supposed to be stagnant and stay that way. Um, and I think that what we miss sometimes as as parents when we are raising our kids, we're always teaching them how to be friends, mm -hmm. how to, you know, cultivate friendships. We go on a million play dates when they're younger and, and uh, a million different classes with them, but we neglect to teach our kids how to end friendships um, and how to, when to, how to set boundaries. Uh, and that's just as important. Uh, so I think as adults, you know, especially with kids, mm -hmm. people who have kids still at home, when those friendships don't feel very good anymore, when they feel toxic, when you feel angst and anxiety, thinking about getting together with that friend, that's a time to look at it and and um, and decide whether or not you you it's healthy for you to still be in that friendship, and it's a good um, message for your kids to see how a relationship can be ended, and that's okay. I love that, and that leads me to the life catching question. Um, do you do a lot of that with your clients or what kind of clients? So you already said it was like mostly people that are going through the middle age, the empty nesting part mm -hmm. of life. But what kind of work do you do with your clients? It, it varies from career, you know, career to, to life and everything that comes up. Oftentimes a client will come to me because they feel like, um, especially at this age when their kids are leaving, that they want to find, you know, purpose, a, a sense of doing something different, uh, being able to change jobs. But oftentimes through the very quickly through the coaching, it'll come down to relationships and relationships, whether that is, you know, with with coworkers, with a with a boss, with friends, with um, at home, how to navigate those and getting perspective. And it often is that we get stuck using tools that have worked for us when we were younger mm -hmm. in our 20s, you know, to 30s, or, you know, even younger than that, that have been solidified, but are no longer working for us and are holding us back. And um, we don't see that until we start through the coaching process. And and, and sometimes it's just a little switch um, that, that changes our mindset and allows us to move forward. 
So when you work with your clients, do you, is it mostly in person, in Zoom? How does that work? It's all through Zoom. In fact, many of my clients are on the East Coast. Um, so I wake up over here. I wake up at 4.30 every morning. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. I, I would not be waking up at 4.30. But I guess it's if you know you're earning money and it's your job. But at what point do you say, okay, I have to set boundaries as far as that goes too as well? Well, I also go to sleep by 9 p.m. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so it's, you know, my hour, my hours, I have writing hours and coaching hours and I absolutely love it. And I, when I was practicing law, I practiced law actively as a litigator for almost 15 years at one at towards the end. Um, I used to play, I will survive on my drive to work. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is not my life now. Now I wake up and I'm really excited about my day and I truly love what I do, which tells me I'm in the right place. Um, so while I did need to set boundaries with work before, clearly if I if I had to play, the, my theme song was I Will Survive. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself. But right now, I really, I strongly feel that uh, my work is so in line with what I feel inside um, that uh, I... I don't even, it doesn't feel like work. Oh, I love that. It doesn't feel like work. But, mm -hmm. And I also will say that the setup of the book is kind of like you're being coached by you too, because it's like mm -hmm. the mess and then the message and the, at the very end, and then you have like an action step that you have to take. So why did you decide mm -hmm. to do that type of writing when you write the book that you gave the mess, then the message, and then the action step at the end of each chapter? When I uh, met with each woman, I told them that I feel like I'm meeting with each person when I'm supposed to be, because I think their story will resonate with at least one other person who reads it. And that's how I write. It's not to um, affect, you know, the masses, but I think that there's that one person that needs to hear this story. There's that one woman out there that's going to read this. There's going to be a prompt there and they're going to think, oh, wait. I can do something different or I can see this in a different way. And so that's why um, it's written that way to kind of prompt and to, to get that, be the catalyst to thinking of, Hey, how can I do something maybe just a little bit better? So it feels better. I love that. What has been the response to the book? The response, the response has been really good. I've been so surprised. Uh, you know, when I started on this journey of writing, I thought I was I was just going to have to like kind of beg people to to, to look this over and read this. Um, but the message, the messages that I've received from people who have who have connected with the book and some of the you know talking to people such as yourself and having these types of conversations, mm -hmm. uh, all the people I've met because of this book. I mean, the it just keeps. Um, it keeps growing. And, you know, it's like, it's like that. I think of it as that, you know, you throw that little pebble into the water and the mm -hmm. waves keep going. And that's how I look at this book and the stories that people have told me and, and how it's, uh, it's continuing to touch different people. I love that. Now our time is almost up before we get into where people can find you at and everything in your book again, is there one last nugget that you want to leave with? I, 
Sure. I challenge people to take the mess to message challenge, basically. And that is meet with, I say, three people, somebody that you're close to, a newer acquaintance that you have yet to share a meal with, and maybe a relative, and ask those three people, what is the mess that became your message? And I guarantee the conversation will uh, surprise you. It will enrich your relationship, and uh, it, it could be life-changing. I love that. And now tell people where they can find you at if they want life coaching or if they even want to contact you about, let's say, the book really impacted me as well. Where can they find you? Sure. So you have the website up. Thank you. And in perfectlyperfectlife.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn uh, under that same name and in Perfectly Perfect Life or Sherry Lead. And your book again is Make Your Mess Your Message. And where can people find that at? Uh, it's the easiest way right now is on Amazon. And I just looked it up earlier on Amazon. If you're a Kindle Unlimited, it's actually free for Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. So it's great for Kindle Unlimited because if you have a Kindle and you're listening and you're reading it, you can actually just listen to the person talking and they read the book out loud. So even if you don't have time to sit down and read, you can at least read a section at a time and make an actionable step. I love that. That's great. I never thought of that. <laughs> Thank you for that nugget. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Kindle, if you read it on a Kindle, on the actual Kindle, it though it has a place where it goes voice to text. Or I mean, I mean, text to voice. So they'll actually read it to you. So a lot of times, because I get so many books, I have to let it be read to me while I'm doing something else because I can't physically sometimes take time to read an actual whole book in one setting because I've got other balls in the fire, I should say. I had no idea. <laughs> See, I learned something from you just there. <laughs> and Changed my like life. So many more books now. Uh -huh. I also like the way you set it up. Like you said, that people can read you set it up so people read one woman's story a week and take action on that story and journal, mm -hmm. which I think is important because a lot of people will read somebody's message or read the mess and read the message and don't think it applies to them. But if they actually have to sit and ponder about it, they actually might come to some truths in their own life mm -hmm. that they're, they weren't willing to face, but maybe they're able to face now because of this book. Yes. Yes. Thank you. All right, Sherry, I want to thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. And I thank your dogs for making their appearance known to me. I love that. Oh, my goodness. I am. There are two labs and uh, they're usually well, you hear, they're quiet usually, but somebody must have come to the door and draw or two people and dropped off packages. Well, that's the whole, that's the whole point. Life is messy. Sometimes things aren't perfectly <laughs> like you, we want it to. So I think it kind of fell right into your message. That, it hey, did. They, I, I all have to give them a treat. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere where you can find Sherry as well as pick up her book. And also I'll put in there a link to her first book as well, because I think that is like a continuation of this book as well. So once again, Sherry, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your mess because I think we all have important stories to learn and people can teach us from their stories. And I've certainly learned a lot from talking to you today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. All right, guys, be blessed and keep chatting until the next Chats from the Block Cabin. Bye. Chats from the Block Cabin.
We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.